You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, my name is Jess Phillips, and this is yours sincerely. I've always been a prolific letter writer, both the good and bad kind, and know the power of putting words on paper. So in this podcast, I want to give my guests a chance to celebrate three people that mean the world to them. Someone they love, someone who's no longer around, and someone who doesn't realise how significant a role they've played in their lives. And when we've heard more about each person, they'll reveal how they would sign off each letter. Izzy Sutty is a comedian, actress and writer. She has acted in TV shows such as Peep Show, Damned and Shameless. She currently hosts a podcast, The Things We Do For Love, And this year, she released her debut novel, Jane is Trying. Today, I'm excited to talk to her about the letters she would send to three people who mean the world to her. Hello, Izzy. How are you? Hello. I'm very good. I've just had an apple. Okay, good. Good. I can't complain. Keep the doctor away. I only like apples these days cut up and my daughter's the same. But I just ate one... Because that takes time and I only had five minutes. I've just eaten one in five minutes off the core. Fruit that is cut up is considerably better than fruit that isn't. I would be like really, really healthy and svelte if somebody made me an enormous fruit platter every morning. And if I make it myself, it doesn't taste good. But when somebody presents you with like a fruit plate, so delicious. Yeah, I know. But there needs to be more of it, I think. Just around and about, just fruit plates on street corners. in greasy spoons, there should be the option of a fruit plate. Why is there no drive-through healthy food? Like, I'm often on the road and like going about my business, and I have to go through the McDonald's drive-through. Why is there no healthy food to drive through? I know it's when I gig, and I used to do a lot of gigs outside London, be driving back, getting back at like two and three in the morning. My diet was just burgers and Haribo. Well, as somebody who literally like goes to and from every week to. Uh, and I'm constantly on the road. I just eat absolute rubbish. Oh, yeah, I've never thought that about MPs. I, I, of course. It doesn't have to be two in the morning, does it? It's the fact that you're away from home. So, are you much of a letter writer? Yes. I was thinking about, in the past, boyfriends I used to write. We used to write to each other. I had one boyfriend when I first went to college, and he lived in London, and I lived in Guildford. And also, previously to that, I lived in Matlock, where I'm from, and he lived in London. So we were always apart. And we used to write to each other probably two or three times a week. And I just remember that feeling of uh, seeing his writing on the envelope. And we used to make each other quizzes. You'd have to, like, tick a box and stuff. Like, That's just so It lovely. was lovely. I know. And then when I moved out of my house in the first year, I left 
you know, his letters to me by accident in a drawer and I've never been able to get them back. So, it, but in a way, I think it's good not to kind of reread that old stuff. I have the memories of just how much fun we had writing and that feeling, as I say, yeah, before you open the envelope, it's like, what's in there? And I think technology's changed things a bit. I really miss, though, that thing of actually putting pen to paper. Yeah, I didn't realise that this was going to be the case, but recently, with all the people I've spoken to, I've started a hate campaign against voice notes. It's a campaign currently that has one member, and that is me. But I, I literally hate WhatsApp voice notes. Anything more than a second long. But I feel that WhatsApp voice notes have replaced the letter. Yeah. It's like, what is a voice note? So as you'll see, because... um. At the end of one of my letters, I mentioned voice notes. There's only one person in my life who I like getting voice notes from who leaves me them a lot. And I like leaving her them. Actually, there are two, but that's it. That's really it. I don't know what they are. It's like they're a new, they're trying to invent a new genre of communication. But on the train, sometimes I see people having a conversation where they leave a voice note and then the other person leaves a voice note. It's just like, maybe have a conversation. I mean, admittedly, the train, the signal isn't great. and But just ring them. If you're going to say something, then they're going to say something. Woman in the now salon the other day was doing it next to me. And A, I don't want to hear the other side of the conversation. I didn't much want to hear. What was she playing? She was playing the voice note and then recording her own voice note. No. I mean, not good. No. I think that's just weird because I think they always end up being long, don't they? Well, the only ones I will tolerate and these ones I like is in the six women who I'm very, very close to in our friendship group. When something is funny, everybody just records a voice note of them pissing themselves, basically. And that is it. And they last one minute. Not one second. Like, it's just like you go, like laughing, basically. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah, that's good because that's silly. But they're not saying, now I'm going to talk for five minutes about the kitchen extension and whether or not I should get these tiles. What I hate is when there's loads of questions within it and then you can't remember. I genuinely have had to make notes before when I'm listening to a voice. Because I'm like, I'm not going to address. Because I'm quite I'm quite thorough about it. I'm like, right, the vast eight questions, I've got to answer them all. So I will actually make... And it's like, You'd be what's a happening? dreadful politician, is he? Yeah. Uh, absolutely dreadful. You For so the, many reasons. You, you failed at the very first hurdle. Don't answer the questions. <laughs> uh, answer the question you wanted to answer. So so many weeks, boss. So many. So, do you have any letters from anybody like eminent? No, I'm going to answer honestly. I genuinely haven't got a letter from anyone eminent. It's now an unfulfilled ambition. But as you get older, you have less idols I think don't you so it'd have to be someone really special now whereas I think if you'd asked me when I was 14 I'd be like all of take that all of new kids on the block like there would have been so much choice whereas now a letter from Joey McIntyre could plop onto the welcome mat and I'd be like whatever oh yeah whatever oh Joey Oh, Joey. No, actually, I would like that. <laughs> if he's listening, what's he up take to? it back. What's he up to now? Oh, I Googled them the other day because I was talking about them on another podcast. That's my mission to, to re- resurrect New Kids on the Block. A really funny podcast about first crushes with Margaret Cable and Smith, which I didn't mean to plug, but I just thought I had to explain what it was. We were talking about New Kids on the Block for ages and... Um, I made a note, not a voice note, to myself to Google them. And I didn't because I love Googling people from the 90s. Do you? I've been 
like Neighbours and Home and Away, all the casts when we were growing up, look on IMDb. They're doing, honestly, some of them are doing stuff that you just wouldn't believe now. But a lot of the music people have gone into management. So, yeah, that's boring. You want them to be like a farmer in a remote village in Wales or something, having moved from the bright lights of New York. I feel like we should know more about what No Kids on the Block are doing. Isn't like one of them was a Wahlberg. Yeah, so Wahlberg. Johnny. Was it Johnny? Yeah, Mark Wahlberg. I think now he is still in the industry in some capacity, but I don't know about the others. Do you know what? I'm going to try and write to them and get them to send us a letter. That is my mission. I'm going to do it and see if I can get them to... Obviously, I will not use parliamentary paper because that would be against the rules. But I'm going to write to them and try and get one of New Kids on the Block. I mean, Jerry was the classic, but, you know, I feel like I was a bit more of a Jordan fan myself. Well, yeah, Jordan Jordan was great. Jordan was like the kind of... If it was like a spider diagram, he was kind of in the centre, wasn't he? Yeah, he was the main one, if we're honest. Yeah. But Jerry was the one everybody had on their wall in my memory of this era. Right, we're going to try and get a letter from New Kids on the Block. I have got a brilliant letter, actually, that I've never even mentioned. And I don't know where it is, and I will have to find this. But somebody once put my husband's name down to go on Britain's Got Talent and, like, signed him up without his knowledge to Britain's Got Talent. This was, like, long, long, long before I was ever a Member of Parliament or anything. Signed him up to Britain's Got Talent and we got this letter saying Tom's, like, Turkish delight show, like, he was, like, knife-throwing a sort of Turkish-themed show. And it was inviting us to go to the Britain's Got Talent and we actually looked it up, like, should we go? And then we're like, no, there's going to be a massive queue. We're not waiting in a queue for a gag. It would be funny. Uh, but I still have that letter somewhere from Britain's Got Talent inv- inviting my husband to come and do some sort of Turkish cabaret show. Stuff like that is great. You've got to keep it. I remember when I when I first graduated and I was living with other actors and none of us had agents. We were all really struggling, doing lots and lots of jobs. And I used to work all day in a call centre, then do comedy gigs at night. I used to work as a cleaner in an office on other nights. And I was always and I was always sending out letters to agents to try and get an agent. I sent out 50 weeks. This is before people were really using the internet. And we used to get all these rejection letters through the door. And you'd know if, you, if your CV and photo had been returned because it'd be heavier. I could judge by the sound it made as it hit the mat, whether or not it was... Well, I mean, yeah, there were always rejections, let's face it. But sometimes I didn't even return the photo. And we used to put the best rejection letters up on the kitchen notice board because we were all getting them. And it was really, and we used to write like horrible things about the agents. And it really made us feel better because we were like, we wouldn't want to go with you anyway, knowing full well that if they rang and said, we do want to take you on, we'd be like, yes, please. That is absolutely brilliant. I do a similar thing with like really vicious, not the like sort of, I'm going to kill you letters that I get, but like r- people who are just really cross, are just writing endless reams. Like we read them out and in the office and put them up on the wall. Uh, people who are like, you know, women like you, uh, that sort of thing. There's something nice about like, you know, trying to take comfort and own the, the the bad letters that we receive. Yeah, and you own it in a different way from when stuff's written about you online. Like, I don't really ever look below the line anymore, as it were, like if stuff of mine's on YouTube and all that. But I did used to when I was a newer act and um, obviously you'll always find horrible stuff, won't you? And I, you can't really own it in the same way when it's on a screen because you don't want to reply um, either as yourself going oh that's that's not very nice or like pretending to be yeah yeah, exactly but you don't want to print it off and it's just not the same (laughs) 
went, why have you, why have you bought more paper again? Yeah. Print off. Oh, there's reams of abuse on there about me. Print it off. Fuck it on the wall. Yeah, no, you don't. But you're, you're right. There is something. Also, I think that when somebody's gone to the bother of writing it down, putting a stamp on it, I, th- I feel like, you know, that's far more effort than just spewing hatred online. So there's a certain element of that I, I quite like. So we're going to go through three letters of people who mean, well, one thing or another to you. And the first thing is just just the person who means the world to you. So who would your first letter be to? Well, I feel like this is a really hard choice. And I listened to um, Reverend Kate Botley's episode and I felt like she had a similar quandary and that you want to sort of choose like all your friends, but you have to have to be more specific. And I felt like a bit like we're not married, but we are going to get married. And as I get older and I'm now 43, it becomes less and less of an issue to have bridesmaids because I'm like, am I going to end up getting married when I'm like 75 and still be like, I promised you in 1993 that you could be my bridesmaid. But choosing this person felt a bit like, ooh, what if my other mates listen to it and be like, why haven't you chosen me? So I thought quite hard. This person isn't by any means my only friend, but she's someone who's moved away recently. I feel like our friendship hasn't changed and I I worried it would because we both lived in London for a long time. She's moved up to Glasgow and I'd say our friendship has actually got stronger since she's moved away, which sounds bizarre, but I think perhaps we make more of an effort to contact each other. She's the person I can stomach voice messages from and actually do quite enjoy communicating in that way, which is really lucky because she is a big fan of it. And she's the one who taught me that you don't have to... I mean, I'm now giving tips for leaving voice messages, which is not what I want to do. I don't want to encourage anyone to do it, but you don't have to hold your finger on the button the whole time. Did you know that? If you hold it, if you push the button down on the screen for like three seconds, then slide your finger up. Oh, yeah. I always think I do it by accident and I get really confused. And I'm like, oh, my God, stop it, stop it. And I don't know what that thing is. Oh, yeah. Well, it's basically you have to tell it you want to record for a long time by moving your finger up. Oh, yeah. gosh. So anyway, she, yeah. What's her name? Her. Josie. Josie. Yeah. So Josie. And it's Josie Long, who you might know. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did my first gig with her in probably, God, like maybe 2003. And she'd been going for ages because she's been going since she was about nine. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember when, you know, back when I still loved Jordan from NKOTV. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so when we first gigged together, I just loved... I thought I felt like she just exuded positivity and joy and um, a kind of pure, I don't know, curiosity about life and a kind of a real, a real purity in some way, like um, a kind of childlike quality, I suppose. And I just threw my arms around her when she came off, but she didn't know me. I think she was a bit like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, hi. I just felt like... Kind of like, God, I really want to hug you. I think you're amazing. We've lived together in Edinburgh lots of times when we've done the festival and been through a lot, you know, met each other's boyfriends. And, you know, like now I look back, now we're both settled down with blokes and kind of go, gosh, um, you know, I nearly married that person and I was with that guy for ages and blah, blah, blah. And she is kind of by my side all the time and she knows. So we've got that real shared history. And I think you can have other people, can't you, that you've got that shared history with that you still don't feel that close to. So it's not just that we've been friends for a long time. It's also that I think she really, really knows me and she really listens and she's just so kind. 
And why she moved to Glasgow, just change of pace. She's always really loved Scotland. It's a nice um, place. Yeah, it is. And she's loved Glasgow always in particular. And for years, just sort of said, oh, I might move to Glasgow. And I was really like, kind of, don't move to Glasgow. Like, <laughs> And then I was like, come on, Izzy. She actually really wants to move. Like, you can't make her stay in London. Um, and then she did it and uh, it's really working out for them. So, yeah. I'm really bad with technology. I get really frustrated with it. I'm like an old person who also doesn't want to learn because my mum really does want to learn. She's better than me and she's nearly 80. I just got no interest in it and I get really frustrated easily with it. And with phones, I often feel that actually, if you said to me, would you rather the internet hadn't been existed and phones hadn't been invented? I would say yes overall. Would you? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. just feel like, I, I think I've only come to that in about the past two years, but I'm just done with it. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's like social media, everything, the way it occupies my brain, the way I'll go on Twitter and sort of scroll through stuff. And I'm like, what am I doing? I could be reading a book. I could be leaving a voice note for someone. Um, but I have to say with Josie, I am so glad that phones have been invented because I think that is the way that she likes communicating the best and she we do write each other postcards and letters and she's just about the only person I write to now um but she uses a phone very well and she came off social media recently and she did she came off Twitter for about a month so it's not that she's on a phone all the time I think she but I think she likes to communicate with voice notes and I think that's her oh yeah I mean they're getting a renaissance here in yeah. I know. I mean, I've said that I don't like them, and now I'm like, voice notes are the best. I've told people how to hold the button down. I mean, you're basically the representative. You, <laughs> the constituency you hold is the voice notes constituency. I mean, it's a shock to us all. Me me included, but, you know. <laughs> and so are there long voice notes that you and Josie leave each other? Yeah, I mean, I'll look on my phone now. I think they are, yeah, they are quite long. Um we call each other snuggles and wuzzles, which is quite... I mean, yeah, I'm um, I'm wuzzles and she's snuggles. I mean, that, it, what is that? That's like... So, I mean, is that really gross? There are no jokes. Like, jokes between female friends, in my view, uh, don't hold up to scrutiny external from the group, um, is my experience. And I sometimes try and, like replay some of the uh, entertaining things that have been said in my girlfriend's WhatsApp group. And it just doesn't translate, but it is the funniest thing in the world while it's happening. I know, it is, it is, yeah. It should be a what stays in the group. I've just told everyone our pet names for each other, but I don't care. Um, (laughs) So they're about two minutes. She left me one that was two minutes exactly. I replied with one which was two minutes 31. So I've replied with one that's longer. Longer. She should never have got you that button trick. Do you think she knows how much you mean to her? She must do. I think she does. But then I think sometimes you assume, don't you? And I think when life gets a bit more complicated as you get older, like in our 20s, we were just together so much because we did a lot of shows together. And then I supported her on tour and we were always doing Edinburgh and we lived near each other at one point. And maybe it's more clear then how much you mean to each other. I'm assuming that I mean a lot to her as well, how much you mean to each other, but I think I do. Through your actions, because you can show each other how much you mean to each other. You can like, you know, do stuff for each other and be caring and be compassionate and stuff. And then I think as you get older, and I think actually what happens is you get older and you can't see people as much, either because you've got a family or just because you get into the 
a routine where you're working more or you're like, actually, I'm going to stay and I'm watching Strictly tonight. I'm not going to the pub kind of thing. I wonder if, because you, I'm speaking generally here, but I think it does happen to a lot of people, especially women, that you see, because you see your friends less, you perhaps overcompensate by being like, I put so many exclamation marks and kisses in messages compared to how I, I just used to be like, yep, I wouldn't even put a full stop. And I think now, because I don't really see people I want to kind of demonstrate, I'm like, oh, I love you and blah, blah, blah. And it kind of feels maybe slightly like, I don't know, like unnecessary, but it's like I'm trying to tell them. It's a bit like having Botox, isn't it, where you have to express your feelings with your words. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, exactly. Like, yes. I am angry now. Yeah, um, that's so true, because I can't see you and show you. You know, you can't have that heart to heart. I can't anymore, where you get drunk together and you're in the pub and you're there for four hours. And then you, I just can't because the kids are getting up at five in the morning or you know Ellis is on tour or- also I don't really want to anymore I don't really I mean I think you just do grow out of it um a little bit of just like endless like sort of teary emotional moments do you go on hen nights now where if I go on hen nights now I'm like oh, this is a familiar feeling then I go this is the feeling that I used to have all the time that I'm with like I'm in a big group and we're going out, we're drinking. The whole night is ahead of us. There's no kind of like got to get back in two hours type thing. And sometimes there are big emotional revelations and I'm like exhausted afterwards, whether they're from me or them. I know it's tiring. Tiring. I got. No, I mean, I, to be fair, I don't really get invited on hen nights anymore. All my friends are either divorced or already married. Haven't been on a hen night for some time. I'm now like the old woman who like employs yet loads of young women, and when they're getting married, they're like, "Well, I wouldn't I invite my boss?" <laughs> like I'd be the nan at the hen. Oh, I always found older women on a hen do were always the wildest in my experience. Oh yeah. Well, maybe you'd get invited for like the afternoon tea bit, then they'd be like, "We're going on to a club, Jess." When did you that start that we had to do pottery on a fucking oh, hen do? That's so. Oh my god, no, don't. I know. Well, you go on a boat, you go on pottery. What the hell? Um, like, so twin. The whole thing, it's like it's so, two it's weeks so long. so gender specific though, it's isn't like, it? Like women are doing like pottery and and making pom-poms and, and doing crafts and men are, have to go out and do like paintballing. It's just like, it's, it seems, maybe maybe it's, that doesn't happen anymore. Haven't also, I'm going to say baby showers, down with that sort of thing. I, I, I never had baby showers when I had my babies and that certainly didn't exist. And now I get frequently like invited to baby showers. Well, the only one I've ever been invited to is Josie's. And I was like, what is, what is a baby shower? Well, you have to bring stuff for the baby. Like, and um, I, I didn't know. I was like, what? I thought it might, I understood that it was like a collection of people before. And that was what it was before the baby's born. But I don't think I understood like, I don't know, the ceremonial aspect of it. It feels quite kind of, you know, we're giving the presents and it's it's quite, in some ways, it's it's more formal than I thought. Have you ever been to a gender reveal party? I, I suspect this is something that only exists on the internet. Okay, so I have been to one, but by accident. Oh my gosh, you are. <laughs> you have been to all the events. I just do it everything once. So this one was by accident, though. We went to, in you know, remember when you could see people in lockdown for a bit? Um, like outside. In the middle bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, where near my mum and my partner is like a stately home. 
And um, we went to meet her and her partner with um, my partner and my kids. So we're all outside and I said, should we go into the stately home gardens? And mum was like, why don't we just sit out here? And I was like, yeah, actually, the kids will just trample on all the flowers and stuff. So we sat on the grass next to this car park, but it was actually really lovely. We had a picnic and the kids were just obsessed with this one tree. Fine. Then suddenly we heard a cacophony of popping and we were like, what's that noise? It was like really loud popping. And we turned round and there were approximately 200 blue and pink balloons um, being blown because it was very windy towards a bed of stinging nettles. And as they hit the nettles, they were popping. And, and it was, we were like, what's going on? So my daughter loves balloons. She was like, I'll go and help them try and get, she was, so she ran over and it was a gender reveal party and they were trying to set up, um, I mean, it was so ambitious. They were trying to set up like a frame, an actual like metal frame in this like, patch of grass next to the car park with, I'm not joking, approximately 200 blue and pink balloons that were presumably there as part of the gender reveal. And then they were going to, I don't know, re- reveal the gender of the baby. But because like, of... Let the blue ones yeah, go. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but I don't think they were... I think all the balloons had just blown off this archway that they were trying to secure them to. So they were like, oh, the balloons, the balloons. It was absolute mayhem. And they were all popping. It, it was... And you wouldn't have thought necessarily that balloons would pop when they hit stinging nettles. No, I wouldn't have thought. No, but maybe it was thorns or something that was... I mean, I like to think the balloons were getting stung and popping, but yeah, so I went... I feel like I went to that gender reveal party. This, what you are describing, is the reason why I think we should get rid of the internet. (laughs) (laughs) This is a perfect example of, like... And let, like they were trying to make some sort of exciting video. Yes. For Instagram. 100%. And this is just like, that would never have existed before we had to eat amazing looking You're dinners. You're absolutely and right. It wouldn't, it. it marketing yeah. in our actual lives. We are all marketing in our actual lives. And that is. I blame the internet for this stinging nettle. That is a great story, though, for have you ever been to a gender reveal? That is a a great anecdote. Well, they certainly weren't filming the stinging nettles business. They were up in arms. (laughs) They were like, what? Now, that is a video I I would watch. I know, exactly. And my mum was so confused. We went and talked to them. They were American. I wonder if it's bigger in America, actually. And they were like, yeah. I think it only exists on the internet. Yeah, I, I don't, I've never seen anything in this country like that before. Okay, so so Josie didn't have a gender reveal Josie party. Josie didn't have a gender reveal party. <laughs> With no. 200 balloons. She didn't. We just got her um, the baby address and had a nice cup of tea, yeah. Do you worry about like not your children not growing up together? Yeah, I don't know if you have this as well, but before I had kids and when I was pregnant with my daughter who was first, I sort of um, envisaged myself meeting up with all my mates and us, our kids or almost like a commune, like our kids. And then I, actually the reality of it often isn't like that, is it, anyway? But I'm afraid to say in my life it is like that, but that is because, and it's the reason you also speak to Josie more <laughs> now she lives in Glasgow, it's because you live in London. It is different. My friends, I live three streets from where I was born and my friends all live within three streets of me and we brought our children up together. I just went on 
holiday recently to Turkey and I, we, I was with 16 people, brummies and all of our kids going on holiday together. Like that is how, you know, there isn't a, uh, I mean, my kids are out at the moment and my husband at a thing on the, our local high street with all of the other people. So there'll be like 30 of them all there with their kids running around. So we, we do actually live a bit like that. We are a bit of a commune uh, and we all plan to live in an old people's home together as well. Wow. I just want to move back to Matlock now. Yeah. See, you know, if you were in Matlock, which is lovely, by the way. It is lovely. It is. My best mates move back. But she lives in the middle of nowhere and I wouldn't want to do that. But I still think I'd do the 10 minute drive to her house if I lived in the centre. Right, I'm going to have to... But I've got to persuade Ellis to move to Matlock. That's the problem because he's Welsh. OK. Right, OK. Well, Welsh, I mean, this would work in either place, Matlock or... Right, your house that you live in now, right, in London, you're going to be able to buy a stately home. <laughs> Don't, because we're about to move house and I keep looking at Matlock houses and I'm like, what am I doing? What are we doing? Don't what off. do you do, though, if your kids ever argue like do they do they ever do your kids ever come in and go so and so's just or do they just all the time does it just not matter all the time all the time I, I mean my children and my mates children fall out all the time I've been looking after all of my mates kids and they've like you know they've had a row and that kid's gone off on his bike and I don't know where he's gone and I've had to his parents and say such is the arguments in my house I've not actually managed to supervise your children oh no that happens all the time but we shout at each other's children so I suppose as long as that's the understanding, you shout at them as if they're your, they, they're your own children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So if, if my child can... I mean, mostly we're like, oh, sort it out yourself. Otherwise, yeah, we would be like, you know, if one of my mate's kids was being horrible and mean in front of me, I would shout at them um, and my friends would not have a problem with that. It's not like the, that that slap programme or that oh, book, yeah, you know, yeah. slap or whatever it's called. It's not like that. They'd just be like, too right, listen to Jess. They fall out like brothers and sisters. Yes, I was going to say it's probably like more of a sibling relationship. Yeah, too, it's much more like a sibling relationship. They fall out like that. So, you know, get back to Matlock and you're a bit closer to Glasgow then. I know that is very true, actually. So how would you sign off your letter to Josie? I'd say, even though we don't live near each other anymore, our friendship hasn't changed. If anything, it's got stronger. We never bother with pleasantries and you're one of the very few people I like getting voice notes from. I love sending you postcards and will continue to do so forever. That's quite a promise, actually, isn't it? But I do mean it. <laughs> you're always there to listen and never judge, but can gently point out another view when it'll help me. You're one of the kindest people I know and it's an honour to be your friend. Oh serious she is a very nice woman she seems no, she so is. cheerful she's got a lot of joie de vivre oh that's a good word joie de vivre so the second letter I've asked you to write is a letter to somebody who is no longer around so who would that be so this person is with us but she lives near Matlock so I don't ever see her really I saw her recently when I went up to sign copies of my book in the bookshop in um which I haven't tried to shoehorn in at all I genuinely haven't no, what is the you know you should do that so <laughs> it's called Jane is trying yeah it's isn't called it? Jane is trying and it's set in the Peak District and you went to sign copies of it in Matlock I went to sign copies of it in a lovely bookshop near Matlock in Cromford called Scarving Books which is an incredible bookshop and um, she came there and I'd not seen her for perhaps even a decade. And I know that I might now not see her for a really long time. So 
the reason I chose her, her, name? her name's Sue. You, you are brilliant at talking about people and then not mentioning their name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like a big Sue. reveal. An hour later, yeah. I'm pleased. Welcome to the stage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the balloons popping on the nettles. Her name's Sue Stones. When I was very young, I started to go to youth theatre in Bakewell. And um, I really wanted to be an actress and I really lacked confidence and felt like a bit of a misfit. And I think probably the best people do. (laughs) The best people like me. But what I mean is, as I get older, I think it's no bad thing to feel like a misfit and it's no bad thing to to not know who you are and stuff when you're growing up. And I'm now a bit suspicious of people who are like, I'm sorted, I know exactly what I'm doing kind of thing. But you can feel quite alone in that, can't you, when you're young? I remember the first time my mum and dad took me to Bakewell Youth Theatre and I just wouldn't get out of the car. I was like, I'm not, I'm not going in. The reason I've chosen her, the reason she still has an impact on me, and I don't want to talk in generalities, because I think with anything it's easy to sort of, and even with Josie's letter, I felt like, you know, you're always there to listen and never judge. But I really, really meant that about her. So I want to be specific about Sue as well. She's really, really principled and she really lets her principles inform her actions. And what I mean by that is everyone's equal. She's so authentic and she never... So, for example, if we were doing a show, we did lots of different shows, like, say, Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dreamcoat and stuff, you'd have the leads there. And I was never um, a lead in youth theatre. I was sort of... No, I was never Joseph. I ch- applied to be... Um, what's the female version of Joseph? Josie. You know, Josie, maybe Josie and the Amazing Technical <laughs> Dreamcoat. It needs to be done. And actually, to be honest, that play is not great for women. You're either a sheep no, or a wife. No, I was about wife. to say, I can't remember yeah. any... <laughs> it's all yeah. brother. It's brothers and pharaohs and things like that. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it's that classic thing where the wife kind of comes in and it literally could be played by anyone, whereas the men have got very specific traits. But anyway, um, so perhaps that's not the best example, but basically whatever play we did, it didn't matter whether you were in the last row and you had no lines and you were just coming in to do a few songs or if you were the lead, it was like everyone was equal in it and everyone was part of the same process and she made us work hard you know and I remember and she also used to direct the musicals at school so I did a little shop of horrors and Grease and stuff like that at school they've got good women characters in they have especially um little shop yeah ordering. and I was ordering that so <laughs> I got yeah I got like I think I got my confidence from youth theatre and then I was older then as well but it's really really all to do with her and she believed in me and she helped me with um my speeches for drama school auditions and but she's never ever like there's no bullshit she's never like you're gonna be a star kind of thing it's just like you've got to work really hard and this is what I think and this is what I need you to do to improve it if you want to do that and she just treated us all like adults and yeah I I don't think she realizes how many people she's affected because obviously not everyone who went to youth that has gone into acting or directing or whatever but I really think that people have carried her passion for performance into their lives and their jobs. Yeah. Must be the reason that she did it, though. You know, like people often say, I'm not sure that people realise because people aren't being arseholes about it, basically. They're not going around saying, I'm the big guy, am I? Change people's lives, man. But 
getting up in the morning and doing something that is largely voluntary and probably or or not paid well and just doing it with to the best of your ability is almost certainly because you are inspired by the thing that you can possibly change otherwise I'm not I'm really not sure why anybody would do anything yeah I think you're absolutely right and she must have got a real buzz when she saw people so maybe underneath she does know but I I wouldn't be surprised if she didn't realize the extent of it I wouldn't be surprised if she thought once people have left, they've left youth theatre, that's it, they've gone on to uni or whatever. But and they've forgotten about me. Yeah. yeah, or like that's I'm a I was a part of their lives then and then they've but I, whenever I meet up with people from youth theatre, all we do is talk about her because she's a very unusual person, I think. Yeah, I mean she sounds brilliant. I like people who are no bullshit. That's a big tick. She's a very strong person. She's and she's always herself. And that sounds it you know, it's hard to do, isn't it? Oh, yeah. And most people aren't, you know, that whole I've got to be true to myself sort of new. Again, well, that's why Instagram's yeah. <laughs> got to be true to, be true to myself. What a load of bullshit. But if I don't have 200 balloons of the gender reveal, <laughs> I'm not being true to myself. <laughs> like the idea that you have to, you know, always be yourself and actually maintaining that would be really, really, really hard because, you know, you have to channel shift all the time depending on what sort of environment you're in. Um, and so people who that's why authenticity is very very uh, it's like a thing people crave because you feel like that person is actually as they are with you uh, that is how they are but yeah it, it's hard to maintain that I think actually and be yourself especially because people have difficult lives I should imagine Sue at times was coming and being really good for all of you and was having a tricky time yeah we do and you it's easy when you're young isn't it to look upon all grown-ups as not having any personal problems or, you know, not even having problems like the kitchen's flooded. You know, you just think of them as grown up. I had no concept until I think I had children. I mean, I had them quite young, so maybe I caught on. I just didn't know. I didn't know. I know. I remember this really key moment where my dad passed away 10 years ago. And I'm sorry, I feel bad. Sorry, Dad, that I haven't chosen you for my... (laughs) I chose Sue, but I've said enough to you. (laughs) I remember this really key moment when he was ill and me and Mum were in, like, I don't know, I think we were in Little Chef somewhere near Matlock. And um, I suddenly realised that... I knew knew the story of how they'd met. I knew they'd met on a skiing holiday and I knew how they got together and stuff and where they were living and all that. Facts, you know, just facts. I'd never really thought about the fact that my mum and dad, that they were living, breathing humans who'd had relationships before each other and had met by chance. And I sort of had this moment where I thought... Mum was just like me and then she met dad and they had me and it was sort of blew my mind because I think the other thing is when you realise that you being created is utter chance it's quite hard to stomach like oh my god I could so easily not have been born like it's just a, a, totally existential like when you actually think there's so many like variables where you don't exist more so than is it entropy that's got like there's so many like variables where you don't exist there's only one where you do like where that happened mental <laughs> it's, i know it is don't think about it for too long it makes no, your brain hurt but they are just they were people like you and they still to me though especially when one of your parents dies my mom died about 11 years ago and they become like a different thing in your head like grown-ups I'm still a kid to my mum like you you don't refer to your children ever as being your adults do you even though that's what they are 
there's still like she knows more than me and I would never be able to be as good as being a mom as her you know not that I'm beating myself if I'm a perfectly good mom but yeah but you still put her you still have that dynamic it's like it gets slow but if that were true over the generations eventually someone's having a really bad you know like everybody's gonna have a terrible mother because that can't it can't be true can it and my children will think that way about me but there's something scary about going, now I've got kids and I, I'll sometimes disagree with mum about a thing to do with the kids. And I find that quite frightening because I'd prefer her to always be right, even if it means that I'm in danger of getting bollocked. I don't like it when you have to step out onto the precipice and go, maybe I'm right and she's wrong. But if I'm right and she's wrong about that, what else am I? It's just like, it's unraveling now. <laughs> This is unravelling. I don't know what I think about anything. I could, everything is wrong if she's wrong. I know. It's it's like, no, 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 no. She's infallible. It's it's weird. And I think that is what, and I don't know how, if your mum was poorly or not, but... Um, she had cancer. Yeah, my dad had cancer as well. And I think it's really tricky seeing someone who... Um, I found it hard seeing someone who's all, who'd always been, I suppose, you know, just in that role of dad. And I hadn't really, although he had a stroke in his 50s, I generally hadn't really worried about his health. And then suddenly seeing him so frail and stuff, I think that can be really tricky, can't it? Because you're like another reminder that they're human. And then obviously the whole process of losing someone and grieving. But I think... So I think for a while I could only think of him in hospital and um, being really ill and they look very different, don't they, when they're ill and it's just... And then I think as time's gone on, and I don't know if you've found this too, I've been able to kind of have a more rounded view of Dad and... But, yeah, it does. It must be to do with your brain. I feel like in some ways... Protection. Yeah, there's all sorts of different things that you'll do, put in the way to protect yourself, whatever... Uh, and some of that is, you know, difficult and harmful. And actually, we should try to get rid of those sorts of protections. But mostly, it's a good thing. I think so. Yeah. It's really easy to chastise yourself and go, oh, I should accept that. I felt like Dad was going to come back for years. I felt like he was just hiding and he was going to come back. Me too, so all the time. Myself, did you? I, I really kept thinking. I remember one time, like, being in her house and opening the downstairs toilet and shouting for her to bring me toilet roll. And she'd been dead about a year. And I was like... Like, what is wrong with you? Like, yeah, I thought... And certainly, uh, when somebody dies very suddenly as well, so when Joe died, I just didn't believe it. For ages, I just was like, this is wrong. Like, you know, I've read things in the newspaper that are wrong before. <laughs> like, this is wrong. Like, this is just... This can't be true. You can't... I know, a friend of mine suddenly died a couple of years ago and I... Someone told me and I said, oh, it, it just can't be true because I saw him on Tuesday. And that was my, I was like, it, it, it can't be. Well, that's exactly my reaction to Joe because I had left her house like 12 hours before. And I was like, she can't be dead. No, no, you, you've misunderstood. She was literally stood next to me less than 24 hours ago. Don't be ridiculous. She can't be dead. People who were stood by me recently can't be dead. <laughs> like, what a ridiculous thing to think. <laughs> I know, but it's just shock, isn't it? It's your brain's way of giving you time to accept it, I think. Yeah, I think That's... it must be. But I think we have to be really kind to ourselves in those moments. I think I was sometimes really hard on myself. Be like, come on, Izzy, you know, he's dead. You've been to the funeral. And it's like, actually, it's 
it's really hard like give yourself give yourself a bit of time and yeah yeah give yourself a break conversely um i think that people are worried when they don't feel as much as they thought that they were going to feel and i think that's terrible when people give themselves a hard time about that as well um whatever i say to but whenever i I meet a lot of people who are very uh, who are bereaved or had terrible times obviously at my job and often very extreme bad things are the things that cross my path I learned that, you know, I, I hated people saying sort of everything happens for a reason, platitudes and things like that to me. And so, and all oh, your mom's in a better place. And I was thinking, what, where's better than here with me? Like, like what she would definitely think this with her grandchildren would be the best place to be, actually, if you don't mind. When people say stuff like that, I think it feels like a rejection of the person who's bereaved. It's not meant like that at all, but... Yeah, they don't mean it, like, nastily, but it definitely, that's the way it feels. It's just like, oh, no, actually, she's not on a star. Somebody said that to my son, and he was, like, four, and he said, well, why wouldn't she come back and see us if <laughs> she was on a star? But, um, which is a good question. I was like, she just doesn't like you, you know. Uh, <laughs> but um, she always preferred the other one. Uh, <laughs> I didn't say that. Um, but like what I say to people now is feel whatever you feel and know that that's okay because it's not about anybody else's view on the situation it is about them so how would you sign off your letter to Sue? So I would say you're someone who never seeks out attention so it's good to be able to tell you what an impact you've had on my life and career your fairness and your principles and your hard work have stayed with me and I always remember you shouting react react when we were in the choruses of plays and that was to try and make she used to get really annoyed when people just sit on the back row and just look at she'd be like you're on the stage as well just because you're not talking (laughs) you give everyone equal attention and you have such a passion for the arts that you may be unaware of quite how many lives you've enhanced thank you We'll be back for Izzy's final letter after a short break. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. So your third letter is somebody who doesn't know what effect they've had on your life. So who would that be to? So that's to Michael J. Fox. An amazing choice. I did think when I looked at the three, I was like, do you know what? I feel quite happy that I've got a real, you know, three. Yeah, a real range of people here. So I hadn't even really ever thought much about Michael J. Fox. I enjoyed Back to the Future and stuff, um, as we all did, I'm sure. You're only human. Yeah. And then I got like this chronic condition that no one could diagnose. I was getting severe dizziness and headaches for months to the point where I couldn't really work and I'd sort of go to Sainsbury's and have to cling to shelves and I'd go to A&E and they'd sort of go, we can't really help you. went to the GP and they couldn't. And then I went to someone who said I had something that I didn't end up having and I just felt really ill most of the time. I'm not comparing what I had to Parkinson's in any way. What I'm saying was I was in... I was in quite a difficult place, really, because I felt like people were kind of fobbing me off and I was like, I'm never going to get better and I can't work properly and I can't... And I couldn't drive and stuff. I ended up trying to look for stuff that... I suppose um, any pieces of writing that gave me hope in any way, and I didn't care what they were, because I did actually Google at one point, like, messages of hope or something, and I didn't really feel like I connect with any of them. You know, like a hundred things, like, you'll get through it. or And I was like, these don't feel... Um, specific they just feel kind of like these general like almost computer generated things and then I started to read books some books by people who had various types of illnesses and had got through them Um, and other books by yeah like I guess generally books from people who had encountered something difficult and unexpected and had come out the other side and it's not necessarily that they're better but it's that they've shown compassion towards themselves and kind of come to another place from where they were. So I read his book called Lucky Man um, and it just had this massive effect on me and it was to do with the point at which I was reading it where I couldn't work. I just felt like no one knows that I feel this ill because it's invisible, you know. I, I just used to get in the bath and read and I and I read it and it's about how he got diagnosed with Parkinson's and it's about um, like 
how he coped with the diagnosis, I suppose, and how he was in denial and how all, all the different things he's come up against and how it's affected Wasn't every... Was he 29 or he something? Was really, like... yeah, he was really, yeah. really young. I'm not sure of the exact age, but he was young. And so it... I, I, I was at dinner with Hadley Freeman the other day and she'd interviewed him recently. Uh, and I think it was, as she said, I think it was... Um, he was 29 or something, yeah. Well, because he was so young, they, which she probably said, like they were... They just said, oh, you won't have Parkinson's. It won't be anything. It'll just be... They were sort of saying, I think, that he had something really kind of superficial that would go away for ages that, you know, that obviously turned out to be something that wasn't that. What I love about the book is that he he makes himself really vulnerable in the writing. And it's really funny as well. A member of my family's got Parkinson's now. So it's helped me on a lot of levels. It's helped me to understand the nature of it. Because I think a lot of people think it's just about like your hand shaking. And it's obviously so much more complex than that. And also he's done so much to raise awareness of Parkinson's and to raise money for research and treatment. But the thing that I just really loved more than anything about it was how personal it felt and how vulnerable he made himself in the writing and it just really felt like the right book at the right time for me and I used to think about him if I was having a really bad day and obviously as I say what I had isn't anything like Parkinson's it's what is it that what was wrong with you in the end it was called migraine associated vertigo and in the end I found a specialist there's nothing worse than vertigo. It's the worst thing in the whole world. Yeah, it was, it was hard. I'd never it's had migraines in my life. It, yeah. My dad suffers from um, vertigo and Meniere's disease. You know, like when people say, I don't like heights. And like my, my dad genuinely doesn't like the edges of things, like even just like a curb or anything, because it's literally like the, the floor is, is meeting him. Um, and us, the kids, like the edge police, we used to call him. That feeling when you're drunk and you're trying to go to sleep, like people live with that all the time. Like that is horrible. It's 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 hard. And I think any invisible illness is what well, I've got an inflammatory joint disease as well, but actually now is a lot better than it used to be in my twenties. It hardly bothers me at all now, but it used to be used to get really bad sciatica and stuff in my twenties. Actually people can see it. If you've got a bad back, you can see crooked and I'll go, I won't be able to walk properly and I'll be, you know, limping and I'll say, I've got sciatica. You people can you could say that you could walk down the street, you could say to someone, Oh, I've got sciatica and they'd probably have heard of it and know. But I think sometimes when you're hiding you feel like you're hiding something away and um it's a mysterious it felt like a mysterious thing and I felt like I wasn't believed by some people and I came across this article by accident and I went for dinner at my sister-in-law's lunch sorry and they were all having lunch and I just couldn't eat I had such a bad headache the room was spinning and I, I said I'm going to lie in your bed and I went and lay in their bed and I just went on google and I kept googling my symptoms and then I found a daily mail article I don't really read the daily mail I mean, you, you didn't, uh, you know, send your letter to Full Dacre at the Daily Mail. It's not Full Dacre anymore, is it? Somebody else. Imagine Michael J. Fox. Actually, it was the Daily Mail saved my life. Said almost no one ever. No, but they did introduce me to this specialist. And I'm not, yeah, I mean, you can lose, you can cut out which paper it was if you want, but. I found this newspaper article. Yeah, No, no, don't. I like it. I I mean, honestly, sometimes they're absolutely bang on right at the moment. They're doing a cracking job of uncovering the government's problems, <laughs> so they can keep on going. Well, I think sometimes their health pages. Yeah, no, are, I think you're right. They're, because they're, they often they're name the consultant 
And yeah, also they're the, really good on consumer stuff. They like, you know, yeah. they care about their readers, whether we yes. think that, whether your bias agrees with that or not. They are the Daily Mail is more led by its readers than I think any other newspaper. Yeah, I think you're probably right. They have long they had a long interview with this woman who had exactly the same symptoms as me and they will name the consultant and they will name the hospital where the consultant works because they do such a long feature. And I found this interview and I was like, that's me, that's me. It was like the first time that I'd found, because there are all these other things when you're getting diagnosed with, is it an inner ear problem? Because I had a bit of tinnitus as well, which muddied the waters because actually what the tinnitus was just a red herring in the end. And um, I was like, Oh, I felt like a shiver go down my spine. I was like, that's me. So then I made a note of the guy and um, I, I sought him out and I, I went to see him and he was the one who got me completely better. It's completely gone. Completely gone. But it gone. took months. Yeah. Oh God, it took ages. Yeah. You have have, um, Botox is a uh, is a treatment, so you know can double up. No, I know. Yeah, I can uh, double up. Yeah, I've yeah, got a pain in my in the wrinkles Botox around my treatment. eyes, guys. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I need a tummy tuck for yeah. my migraines. Can you do my bum just <laughs> while I'm under? So well, that's good that you feel better. It's horrible. I come across people with all sorts like diseases like fibromyalgia. The classic example is ME. Well, dizziness, I think, can be due to so many different things, can't it? I think it can be quite hard for GPs to... But the first thing he asked me is the nature of the dizziness. And he was so specific because there are so many different types of dizziness. And perhaps what your dad's got is probably different from what I had. Because I always felt like if I turned my head... It was like the room took a second to catch up. It oh was like... Oh, God. Um, it sounds yeah. harrowing to me. Yeah. I can't go on a swing because it makes me feel sick. Oh, I'm uh, still funny with lifts. That's the only residual, not even a symptom, but the only residue of it. And I have to be a bit careful. I'm not supposed to eat blue cheese and stuff, but I sometimes have a bit and test the waters. But the diet that he put me was really strict initially. But with a lift, for about 10 seconds after I get out of a lift, I feel like I'm still in the lift. So I'm walking along and it's like, I feel like the ground is going to give way because it's like I'm still going up or going down. It's, yeah. But then it goes. Right then. So how would you sign off your letter to Michael J. Fox? I would say, I doubt I'll ever meet you, but I expect I'm one of many when I say that your writing has given me strength and resilience. This is because you make yourself so honest and vulnerable. The work you do to raise aware of Parkinson's is incredible. Thank you for making the choice to share your whole story and to help others in such an open-hearted way. So we've got a letter to Josie Long, one to Sue Stones and one to Marty McFly. Did any of them surprise you that, oh, I didn't think I'd pick that person, but I actually did? Um, With the one who's no longer here... Yeah, I think I was maybe a bit surprised about picking Sue only because she is here. You know what I mean? I was initially thought of my She's dad. She's not in then, your life. Yeah. yeah. And my auntie Margaret, who passed away in COVID, who was actually my dad's cousin's auntie or something, but she was like his auntie. And then there's so many people, aren't there? I felt like I've said, I kind of said private stuff to dad and auntie Margaret, whereas I felt like it was an opportunity to kind of talk about Sue. So... Yeah. That's lovely. Yeah. It's lovely. And I'm sure, I hope Sue listens. You'll have to send it to Sue. We'll have to, we'll have to find her. Have you got her contact details? Yeah. There you go. You can send it to Sue. Well, hello, Sue. Lovely to hear about you sound ace. And by all accounts, you're looking great. <laughs> so, well, Izzy, thank you so much for telling us about the brilliant people in your life. It's been lovely to talk to you. And the best gender reveal anecdote that I think I'm ever <laughs> going to hear in my whole life. 
I've, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. <laughs> totally my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips. If you want to hear more conversations just like this, make sure you follow Yours Sincerely with Jess Phillips on the podcast provider of your choice. And why not write a letter to your friends telling them all about this podcast? And you can also follow us on social media. We're at Jess Phillips Pod. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.